I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, you guys. Welcome to Steel Wars. I am comedian Steel Saunders, and I do love Star Wars. Please enjoy this classic clip, which is available in full at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. You know, artists have pretty big egos, and I'm, I'm no exception. And I remember um, a lot of chatter when, like, uh, you know, Star Wars was getting acquired by Disney, and then J.J. Abrams got attached to direct it. There were some artists, comic artists I know, that have worked with J.J., you know, designing things for, like, Star Trek or whatnot. And I remember them sort of uh, suggesting they were working on some new designs for a big movie. And it was like, you know, I remember being in the shower one morning. I was like, wow, you know, how cool would that be? You know, to to be like drawing stuff for a new Star Wars because you knew it was coming. Disney had just paid four billion for it, and I was thinking, even even going so far as to think, uh, man, this J.J. Abrams guy. I mean, you know, he's about my age, and what am I doing wrong? What is he doing right? I mean, the guy's directing Star Trek and Star Wars, you know. And it was probably at a time where I really wasn't. Do, uh, I, I was waiting for a gig, or you know, not not doing as well as I would have liked. And I, I I distinctly remember being in the shower thinking to myself. Man, if they called me to do Star Wars, I would say, I've been waiting for you guys to call me since I was seven. You know, which was the God's honest truth, you know. And That's a sure long enough, time to be staring at the phone. Yeah, yeah, because I think I was uh, 43 or something like that. So, sure enough, 15 minutes later, I get in my studio, turn on my email, and there was a, an email from Randy Stradley, the editor of Dark Horse Comics, Star Wars line, asking me to do this project. Not even, like, send, asking me to send in samples or whatever, like... You got the gig, you know. <laughs> Had you been reading The Secret prior to this? You know, I'm not a superstitious guy at all, <laughs> but that was a very bizarre way to kick things off. And he added, there was a PDF of the script, the screenplay in it. And now the other interesting part of it is um, I, had, I was not familiar with that screenplay. I guess it had been on the internet for maybe like 10 or so years. I'd always remember seeing in the art of Star Wars books, even the ones I had when I was a kid, these drawings of sort of these proto-Jedis and like these skin-tight suits with a cape and like a Flash Gordon headgear. And they'd always been listed as Han Solo or, or Obi-Wan Kenobi or something. And I'm reading this script about these characters, Kane Starkiller and General Luke Skywalker, an older general, and it just all clicked to me like, wow, these drawings were for this script. Mm. You know, I mean, there was even costume details that were described in the script that made no sense anywhere else. You know what I mean? And so it, it all sort of like unraveled for me. Like, uh, you know, I had all this pre-knowledge of the Star Wars thing, and yet I was seeing it in a whole different light due to this screenplay that I had no idea of, you know. I mean, I had heard um, that originally they were going to go to the Wookiee planet instead of the Ewok planet and this or that, but I didn't know it was going to be in the first movie. You know, yeah. spo spoiler alert. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it's and, and just reading it, I felt like, um, man, you know, I'm, I'm like on page 30 or something. I don't know what's going to happen next. And I was like, if I could capture this experience for the fans, like I think there's really something here that people would like, you know. I think I can't wait for my next shower. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, you never know. And I'm like, 
This Mark Hamill, well, he's a Jedi in Star Wars. What's he doing right. right that I'm not doing? You know, I keep taking showers and like nothing's <laughs> happening. I don't know. It's, it's... I am the cleanest, most disappointed <laughs> right. person on the planet. Right, right. Just, just constantly just like running without even drying off to the computer to check my email. Right, right. No, nothing. <laughs> yeah. I was like vaguely familiar with the Star Wars because there was a book that came out about 15 years ago called The Annotated Screenplays okay, yeah. of Star Wars and it kind of went through maybe three or four major changes right. in, in what characters did and then this this character merged with this character. Yeah. You know, this version, this character was a girl then mm-hmm. switched back to a guy. Right. You're doing this sort of alternate universe Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Was that... Were you like, oh, I wish this was Star Wars or you were just... No, I was way into it. I mean, you know... I guess that's why you've got more freedom. Yeah, like I said, I I really felt my task was to sort of time travel and put myself in a time before Star Wars even came out. Like, um, I didn't watch the movie. I didn't look anything Star Wars. Even, like, they sent me that making of Star Wars book. I didn't read anything past about this particular screenplay because I didn't want any of that influencing me at all. I wanted to pretend like it never, it hadn't come out yet. You know what I'm saying? And at the same time, um, well, y- you know, I was just a fan of all that stuff that sort of went into this screenplay, like Flash Gordon. You know, I was a really big fan of Alex Raymond, the artist for that. You know, everyone knows about it now. Well, not everyone, but there's a documentary on Alejandro uh, Jodorowsky's Dune project. I don't know if uh, if you haven't seen that and you're interested in sci-fi filmmaking, it's definitely worth a watch. But basically, the legend well, on that... I, I've actually just... Got, I haven't watched it yet. Yeah. But what, what, what is it called? It's Well, it's this filmmaker, uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. He's a, a Mexican filmmaker, and you know he sort of uh, made the first... Uh, what's the right word? Midnight movie called El Topo, which is this really uh, psychedelic Western... And he he's just a super um, what's the right word? Um, is, I mean to say he's an independent filmmaker is a little um, not not giving him enough sort of credit. He's just a, a, a avant garde. He is the definition of avant garde. Like he is like if Salvador Salvador Dali made films, they might look like Alejandro Jodorowsky's. And so Jodorowsky um, somehow was able to option. Well, I actually I watched the documentary, so I know the story. He optioned um, the 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 uh, rights to the uh, to Dune, Frank Herbert's Dune, which was a hugely popular book. It might have even been a series at that time. And um, they said, "Yeah, sure, we'll option it for you know twenty thousand or something. This will never get made," <laughs> you know, thinking it would never get made because it was. Kind of a, I mean, this was a, in an age before effects, and it was it was inconceivable that it would even be possible. And he went out to, he set forth to do it. And, it, you know, there's a lot of anecdotes um, to it, you know, like Pink Floyd was going to do the music, and Salvador Dali was going to get paid a million dollars a minute to star in it, and all sorts of insanity. But the most substantial um, thing about it for me that came out of it was the team of artists that he assembled to, to do the production design. Uh, and the production design was on the level of what George did with Star Wars. And the two main artists uh, were Moebius, you know, Jean Giraud, this French uh, comic artist who does uh, this Western blueberry. But uh, he's also Francis, I would say Francis' preeminent cartoonist. Uh, he's passed now. But um, anyone would recognize his sci-fi work, uh, you know, um, 
I mean, you know, he he ended up being the production designer on Alien, on Blade Runner. Like, half the stuff in Blade Runner is ripped off of Moebius comics, you know. And uh, the other big guy was H.R. Giger, you know, the guy who designed the Alien. And he was uh, he was charged with uh, designing the villains of the film, and and uh, there was another uh, um, big sci-fi paperback cover painter named Chris Foss, I believe I'm saying that right. And so, anyhow, my point is that this team of production designers really set the stage for what George was going to do. So it was, you know easy or interesting for me to think, oh, you know, I, I, I want to sort of play in that sandbox, you know, and pretend I'm sort of back then pulling those influences or being of that time even because, you know, the designs were almost like psychedelic or surrealistic or, you know, very 70s, you know, and sort of like um, trying to like pretend I was in that sort of time zone almost. So I guess when you've you've signed up to do the the comic for Dark Horse and for Lucasfilm, you're, you're in the Star Wars club. What, okay. What, what what little changes happen? Like, did you what what sort of like um, interactions did you have with Lucasfilm, if any? Um. Well, you know, originally George was going to be involved. You know, my my main point man outside of the Dark Horse editor Randy Stradley was Jonathan Rinsler, uh, who is uh, basically a historian for Lucasfilm. He he's the author of several uh, nonfiction books for them, and and maybe even a fiction book here or there. But he 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 pretty much documents and archives all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so you know, um, to have access to sort of his brain, you know, augmenting what I already knew, was a, a, a tremendous uh, blessing. And then he he also sort of had George's ear, you know. In fact, Jonathan's the one, the only reason this project exists. I'll tell you, <laughs> you know, Lucasfilm did not really want this project out. You know, uh, first of all, George, I think is maybe uh, I don't want to put put words in his mouth, but I, I would say he's he's not really that enchanted with this draft. You know, maybe he felt it was a work in progress and doesn't really deserve the spotlight necessarily. You know, well, if George Lucas isn't happy with Star Wars, the right, film, right. Oh, and right. changing that. Yeah, you know How's I mean? he going to be happy with the first draft? Right, right. So, you know, I just felt like he, he really, you know, the, 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 the tale was told to me was he really wasn't keen on, on having it made. But this guy, Jonathan Rinsler, did this making of Star Wars book, which is very extensive and detailed. And so he actually read this draft, and you know he thought, "Wow, this would make a great comic book." And and Randy Stradley, the Dark Horse editor, apparently had the same idea, and that they got together on it, and they hired um, a comic book artist who had the job before me to do some sample pages, and that's kind of what switched to George arm, George's arm. He was like, "Okay, you know, we can do this." And apparently, he was going to be a little involved when I first designed the characters. I was told George was going to be seeing what I worked on, which was you know, really um, stressful. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just like, wow, okay, uh, this better be good. I, I wasn't sure what word you were going to use there, like exciting yeah, or n- stressful. Yeah, you know, for, for people who haven't read it, the characters were very different. For instance, Luke Skywalker was an old general, you know, kind of like an Obi-Wan Kenobi almost, but not at all like Obi-Wan Kenobi, way more violent and militaristic. There was a younger Jedi that you could say was in a Luke Skywalker 
sort of headspace, but he was way different. He was way sort of brash, and he had this strange top knot, and he was way more along the ways of the Force than Luke was, and this or that. So to sort of nail those characters, you know, from the get-go, because that's the other thing. This book already had another artist assigned to it, and he, he dropped out of the project, so it was on the schedule, and there was no, like, ah, we'll give Mike the time he needs to figure it out. It was like, you better figure it out now, because the pages are due, you know? So, um, so, so then, uh, you know, George was involved, but then, um, I think it was right around the time that he sold the company and, um, he stepped away from just anything Star Wars to pursue uh, his charitable work and, you know, he was getting married and, and things like that. So, um, apparently I've been told that he saw all this stuff and uh, a lot of times George, the way George might work is that if he doesn't send you anything back, it's good. Yeah. So apparently nothing got sent back and, and it was all okay with him. <laughs> to hear the full episode, along with hundreds of hours of bonus content, I would invite you to check out the Steel Wars Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. For just $3 a month, you get a dedicated RSS feed that easily pastes into any podcast app you use, sending the complete archives of Steel Wars episodes along with bonus Patreon exclusives like movie commentaries, Q&As, and shows like the Making Steel Wars show, which I make exclusively for Patreon members with Jason Ward of MakingStarWars.net, where we try to find the news behind the news. Plus, you'll get the bonus segments from the call-in shows, which sometimes can be over an hour. And as well as all the bonus content, you get that warm glow that you are supporting this show you listen to each week. The idea behind Patreon is if lots of people chip in a little bit of cash, that content producers such as myself can still keep producing for you guys while still being able to feed our very cute Ewok-looking cats. There's a hungry cat involved in this, guys, as well as some sweet, sweet content. Check out all the super fun tiers and all the shows you're missing out on at patreon.com forward slash Steel Wars. And may that force be with you. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. 
Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 